1: Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com. <laughs> Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. It's about asking why, trying to figure out what you're doing. Um, and sometimes that involves, you know, quantitative research. Sometimes that involves just talking to people about experience, using their intuition. It varies, but at the end of the day, the core thing is learning, trying to figure out why, and then using that why to make better decisions with intent and just a detailed focus. Um, so that's really what, what it means to me. I can't speak for other people when they use that word.
0: Dude, I am a sucker for introductory press conferences that are knocked out of the park. Like PJ Fleck, a few years ago, I immediately bought an or and just started rowing. I don't know, man, that's one of the best introductory press conferences I have ever seen. Judd, Phil, that's why Sports
2: Dad is here. Okay, all right, because all right. because he was impressive. Uh, but it is hard to, in my opinion, lose the press conference the first time. You've got to be really bad. Like Gerson was great. I thought I thought Baldelli, Falvey were great. Um, and guess what? They've all had some uh, success. But I am willing to say this: I think what we how we feel today it's great to be hopeful and and it's great to be like this guy was impressive and there's no question i think that that he was and he came off as sincere what we see going forward though now will dictate things um and it's easy to say what you're gonna do and how you see things and it's not that he's not being sincere about that but where I will just sort of pump the brakes a little bit is now he has to work that plan with a group of people in football, which can be difficult at times. And so I think being optimistic is, is great. I think it's fantastic. I also have seen enough pressers now to say, okay, that was good, but we have to slow down at least a little bit.
0: Uh, I will not slow down. You are wrong and incorrectly pumping brakes here. When 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 Quasi said uh, the thing about suppressing ego to make decisions, I was like, give him a lifetime contract. Yep. Let's do this. How old is he, 40? Let's sign him until he's 90. This is uh-huh. Purple Daily, daily Vikings entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. They have a new general manager, and we'll talk about that. And uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you see our friend, Tyler Fornis from NBC Sports Edge and also from the Climbing the Pocket podcast. Welcome to the show, Tyler Fornis.
1: Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this new era of Vikings football that we are about to embark on. The voyage is going to be fun, and I was thrilled with everything Kwesi had to say today.
0: Yes, yeah, so we'll, we're, so Tyler, uh, his expertise is vast, but the draft is his main uh, point of expertise and so we're going to get into later in this episode an article he wrote this week with the headline is malik willis the next josh allen and uh curious to get his thoughts on that but if you're watching us on a tcl tv thank you for supporting us it's a great tv to watch football games this weekend they have a new lineup of award-winning tvs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution all at an affordable cost enjoy more of the things you love with tcl um let's just go around the room here and i know tyler you were you've been doing shows all morning and stuff so you didn't get to watch the whole thing but you've been following some of the snippets and clips so uh so you can chime in too we, i know judd and i and declan were sort of immersed in the whole 35 40 minutes let's go around the room real quick 30 or 60 seconds or less just your initial impression of the vikings new general manager quasi adolfo mensa let's start with let's start with declan
3: yeah i i thought he was just a very insightful and honest guy Judd always loves to talk about we never should assume with athletes and coaches and executives. I think that is always still true, and it's definitely still true to Adolfo Mensa to a degree. But the way he just talks to people, answers questions, has used his family, the, the way, everything he's used to kind of absorb the information and then speak it, it seems genuine. It doesn't seem like a lot of BS. And Judd has BS detector on and, and a radar on that is on a different level that I, that I hope to have one day. But, I think Judd's
0: BS detector uh, might might be sensing false positives here. Might be sensing a, a pulse. We positive. Need a PCR
3: so test <laughs> on this on this BS. Okay, wait, we need to see. It's a wait
2: and see. It's uh, but, a
3: wait and see, baby. But a very impressive first impression. I'm I'm glad the Vikings hired this guy. Yeah, okay. Judd.
2: I liked a lot of what I heard. It's going to be so. The one thing that that you that you could see too is that, and this is good. This is good and bad. As a human being, it's good. He clearly is comfortable with the fact that he doesn't know what he does not know. The issue is walking into a job like this, how quickly can you learn and, and absorb what you don't know? Uh, because you are ultimately at the end of the day, going to be the one making the most important decisions for this team. And so I just, I, I honestly think the most fair thing is not to, not to say that that was a bunch of BS because I, I don't think that was, and it's also not to say it's going to be great. It is to literally just wait and see, because this is, I will continue to say this higher, the ceiling could be so high. Like this guy could be brilliant. This guy could be great. He definitely brings a thought process that very few teams use to the extent that I think the Vikings are. The issue is the flip side is there's risk too. And so, I think that that is the most important thing, to keep both of those things in mind as we begin to see um, Adolfo Menz's tenure unfold.
1: All right, Tyler. I think the thing that jumped out to me the most was how great of a communicator he is. Uh, we, we kept hearing that he was a great communicator and that he was incredibly inclusive within those conversations. And just the snippets that I saw, how insightful, thoughtful, and brilliant his answers were and how crisply he communicated it's just a breath of fresh air compared to what we've seen over the past few years of Rick Spielman, not really giving you any details. Mike Zimmer just being curt and angry all the time. Like he just, he feels like a genuine guy who's got a brilliant sense of intelligence, who wants to get everybody involved to make as good of decisions as as possible. Like, I don't see how this isn't a home run hire, but then again, People have been saying that about hires for years and years and years, so we'll let uh, the data speak for itself, as he's going to do with almost every decision he makes. And I think that's another thing. It's not analytics to him. It's about utilizing data to make great decisions. And that's all analytics is based on. But we keep hearing uh, on Twitter and from media members, analytics being thrown around as this dirty term. No, it's contextualizing what you see so you can be smarter. Yeah. and that's what he wants to do and i think that's a fantastic trait to have in a general manager
0: i think one of the one of the answers that stood out the most to me was one of the i can't remember who it was i think it was one of the tv reporters asked him you know hey what you know, what what made you want to move from wall street to the nfl or to football those are just mm-hmm. such different worlds and he said they're really not actually he said it may it may seem that way to to you guys on the outside but from my perspective it's about gathering information, gathering data points if you will. And as he explained, a data point doesn't have to be a number or a stat or analytics, you know, people like to use the word analytics. A data point can be a scout's subjective opinion watching a football game and watching a player, right? That's a data point. And and he's basically saying my job on Wall Street was to collect data points, gather information and then make the best possible decision in a marketplace. And the marketplace happened to be commodities or stocks or whatever, you know, whatever he may have been working in at the time. And in this marketplace, commodities are players and they all have price tags and there's information you can gather via numbers, via scouts opinions. I love the way that he explained that so non-condescendingly to the media and the public today. And I think my, my overriding thought was, and I will listen to sports Dad on this because I was blown away by Derek Falvey, and I think largely he's been a bust the last two years with the twins. But all of these people raving about Adolfa Mensa, from John Lynch to Kyle Shanahan to Andrew Berry, the GM of, of the Cleveland Browns and and other people, like they're all coming out with public, lengthy public statements, just showering the Vikings and Adolfa Mensa with praise. They don't have to do that for one. You know, it's actually kinda of risky to do that because if you're wrong, now it's like, wow, you just sent like a thousand word statement out publicly vouching for this guy. But when I heard him speak for the first fifteen minutes, I was like, Yeah, okay, I understand why all these people rave about his personality. He's very stoic. Um and I I mean, again, it's been it's been twenty minutes basically, but I loved the way that he came off in that press conference. I love the way that he thinks and I love the people that are vouching for him and so uh, I'm all into this point, but sports Dad, if you want to pour some cold water on this from your experience watching failed executives in sports, the floor
2: is yours. I actually wrote something down a note to a sports dad to statement. Myself. A sports dad <laughs> statement is it is not a thousand words. In fact, it is only one sentence. I wrote down this statement. Great collaboration now comes from a placed place of the honesty of the collaborators. So, in other words, it's going to be absolutely essential that this guy has the right people around him. Because, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying um, crazy. I am saying if you are going to come from a place of, I want opinions here, honest discussion, back and forth, what you have to, to have is A, smart people, and B, people who are as willing to put their ego aside as he said. does which by the way is great if that's the case that's great but this thing's going to need to be structured in a way now where where the people in that room are as good as quasi is so like if you've got football scout guy been with the vikings for a long time kid i know a lot he's gone and and if you have people who are putting their potentially misguided opinions based on experience and ego Above the rest of the people in that room, he or she is gone. Well, football scout
0: guy is not going to be gone because they're scout guy. They would be gone only if they aren't willing to put their ego aside. That's my point, though. But
2: as as we know, a lot of people in this sport have that problem. I mean, heck, across sports, it's a a problem where people think that they're going to tell him this is what you should do. So my point is, it's almost in some ways a chemistry experiment where you're going to have to get the collaboration in that room to a really fine-tuned place because it can't, it can't just be, well, we got Ed and Steve and Jerry and they've worked here a long time and now let's go collaborate. It has to be a room where it's understood that it's sharing thought processes and that everybody is willing to say, to start from a point of, I might be totally wrong here.
0: And that I feel like that's how most great sports organizations operate. Like when you look at the top, you know, five percent of great sports organizations, Golden State Warriors or, you know, you know, Kansas City Chiefs right now in the NFL, there's a lot of synergy and there's a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of people that are probably removing their egos from mm-hmm. the situation. And then when you go down to the teams that are losing, and the Vikings have had this problem for sure the last three or four years, Kurt the Kirk Cousins signing was a big fork in the road. The GM and the head coach disagreed on that like that is the most important piece to your puzzle mm-hmm. and they disagreed on it and from there everything started to unravel behind the scenes it's kind of amazing that they continued to win even 7 or 8 games <laughs> in a playoff game at one point with such little harmony but he his personality and the way that like, he he's so confident but he's not arrogant and he's not condescending even though he was asked three or four like fairly meh questions I would say in that press conference and and he could have easily just kind of you know dismissed them or what have you it's like he seems to speak to people on their level in a non-condescending way in a way that gets people to to like him right so um and we could I mean we can we can spend hours and hours breaking down the the psychology of all this but let's get to the actual and this is where I want to turn to Tyler here uh he now has a huge job in front of him, right? Like we can talk about personality and all this stuff and team building. I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to can you fix the Vikings cap situation? Can you build this roster back up it's not It's not a terrible roster, it's not the jets, it's not the Texans. It's a good roster. Can you make it great? You know, what's your target window? So Tyler, if you were Adolfo Mensa right now and you've got five months of free agency. You got combine free agency draft. You got like the fourth worst cap situation in the NFL right now. You got a Kirk cousins decision to make what's on your priority list. What are you like? What are you, know, what are like the three things right now that aside from hiring a head coach, obviously that's number one that you're looking at. If you were stepping into that role,
1: I think if I'm stepping into that role, uh, first thing I'm looking to do is trade everybody over 30 for uh, good capital. I, I just feel like the window that we had, was open for a while, but it's been closed for a couple years now. And you're not going to be able to do anything with an Eric Kendricks who looks to be at the end of his prime. Harrison Smith, who's getting close. Uh, Adam Thielen's at the end of his prime, and he's making pretty big money. And then you have Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, all good football players who can contribute at a, at a relatively high level. But from where this team is at, it's just time to move on. Plus, I wonder with like Kendricks and Smith being Zimmer guys, I uh, kind of like to a lesser extent, like what Judd has talked about with Parisian suitor, as far as like a culture, as far as, you know, that kind of leadership. I wonder how much of that is going to play negatively uh, moving forward. I think if you can get day two picks for those guys and Dalvin cook too, because you pay a, a running back when you have a championship window, if you're paying him when you don't have a championship window, you're really not doing yourself any favors. Uh, Madison is fine. Wang Wu has an opportunity to really shine and be great, but we don't know what his potential is yet as far as a, a running back. Um, and then probably the second thing is in, invest in a quarterback. You have to figure out who that guy is. And I know we're going to talk about Malik Willis here in a little bit. There are six guys in this class, seven guys, actually. They all have a fatal flaw. Can you fix that fatal flaw and accentuate what makes them great? And the Bills did with Josh Allen. You know, the Chiefs built Patrick Mahomes, his insane arm talent, into a great quarterback. Like, Can you be able to do that? And then the third thing, you have to understand what, where the NFL is going. You just need to be able to stop teams on occasion, and you've got to score. Invest early in your offense. This wide receiver class is stacked in, like, the top five, top ten. You can get a guy in the first round and feel good about it, even though you have other holes on your team. If you're giving Justin Jefferson a true running mate, like a Traylon Burks who is being compared to Debo Samuel as far as usage and play style, you have Garrett Wilson who's a burner on the outside, or you can get Justin Jefferson's clone, Chris Olave. Like, the best way to build this team is on offense. That's how we're the NFL is trending. Only the San Francisco 49ers can play bully ball because they have Kyle Shanahan and they're just built completely differently from any other franchise. It's hard to replicate something that's a true anomaly. But if I'm the Vikings, that's where I'm starting. Get rid of your high-profile guys. Get a quarterback you believe in and build him up. And then invest on the outside with your weapons.
2: So this guy's really smart. And, and I, I think the most intriguing thing he, he said among his his like insights into himself as a football guy was he talked about the fact, and this will drive some fans crazy, that he doesn't get high. Or low. He's just like, you know, flat line guy, and I mean that in a positive way, Tyler. But if he's gonna sit down today and start to dissect this team and, and the roster, which is I would say good, not, not great. And Tyler, I love your point about clean house too, because it's just time. Um, you could actually drag this roster down a bit, take some chances, trim some good players. And here's my point. I think a guy like this, if he could have his way, would say 2022. Not important. It's important to reset things. Mm -hmm. Um, We also do have have evidence of people who very much probably run things like uh, like, um, he will, who have said, trust the process, which means build it back up. Is there a case to be made that the smartest move is to put our our, our feelings about this team aside for one year and, and trim this thing down, um, tell a guy like Justin, hey, this is not a long-term thing, but but to get good, it's not going to be pretty for a, a year, and actually start again. Um, and if there's a quarterback that you like, that's great in, in this draft. If there's not, that's fine, too. The point being is really do as little as you possibly can to worry about winning games because that, the result is that, right? But he's talking about the fact that his background is don't worry about the result, worry about the process. I just wonder if that's the if that's the internal that they would not talk about this publicly. Obviously, but I just wonder if that's the internal discussion.
0: Well, I, I'll give you I'll give you my list and, and then throw it back to Tyler here. But my list is is very similar to what like the what are the three things? So hire a coach, obviously, and uh, and I do like that he talked about leadership and and just sort of that thirty thousand foot CEO type first. He didn't say offense or defense. I think if you start to read between the lines now, Nathaniel Hackett is gone. He just agreed to be the Broncos head coach. Um, Dan Quinn has announced that he's going back to Dallas to stay there as a coordinator. So there's only six guys left on the Vikings list. The two with connections to Kwesi are Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator Rams, and D'Amico Ryans, who uh, I believe I saw a report that he's going to get a second interview. We can verify that. But my three, after you hire a coach... Number one, I'm with Tyler. I look to trade specifically Kirk Cousins, and fans are going to hate me for this. Mm-hmm. But, again, you, you can't win a Super Bowl in 2022 with your current cap situation. Your roster is getting old in some certain spots. Your defense needs to be rebuilt. I'm trading Kirk, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith for picks. If I can swing a deal for a Dalvin Cook, I'm not as desperate to trade Thielen, but I do want to smooth out that cap hit because I do think he's a viable weapon on offense. But I'm starting with Kirk, Kendricks, and Harrison Smith. Can I get some draft picks for those guys, clear a bunch of cap space, get younger? You don't want to be wrong by a year or two when you decide to move on from those guys because then you're going to get nothing. Those guys all have value to teams that are further along in the winning cycle than you do right now if you're being totally objective. I know there's a lot of fans like, no, no. Eight wins, you just need a better coach, this and that. It's like you gotta you gotta take a step back here. This team, do you think this team is ready to go toe to toe with what we're seeing with the Rams right now? Go in, go into the AFC. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you're gonna go toe to toe with the Chiefs, with with the Bills, right? Like this isn't just about winning a potentially weak NFC North if Rodgers is gone. To me, this is about winning a Super Bowl. I don't think you can in 2022. I don't think you have to be garbage in 2022, but I think you have to collect assets for 2023 when you're going to have cap space, more flexibility, etc. So, Kirk, Kendricks, Harry, thank you guys. I think Kendricks and Harrison Smith are Ring of Honor guys. They're going to be Vikings for life. Um, number two, I'm focusing on 2023. I'm not concerned about doing whatever I can to win as many games as possible in 2022. I'm not actively trying to go 2-15, and 15, but I'm not... I'm not dying to scrape and claw to nine wins. I'm aiming for 2023. And then number three, hunt for a young quarterback. Set yourself up. Don't get locked into three more years of Cousins. He's 34 years old. Hunt for a young franchise quarterback and don't be paralyzed by the thought of Christian Ponder. You might whiff. That's okay. You whiffed on Ponder and still made the playoffs. You whiffed on T-Jack and still made the playoffs. What if you hit on one of those guys with the roster that you can build with the cap space, right? So uh, hunt for a young quarterback either in this year's draft or next year's and don't be paralyzed by the fear and the memory of Christian Ponder, which I know Adolfo Mensa won't be
2: because he wasn't around for that pick. Thoughts? I like it. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's just a very good case internally um, to say this. We're not going to concern ourselves with with 2022. And we're going to do everything that we possibly can to reset to a certain degree, football-wise, okay, rebuild, which is not, again, five years. But it is, this team needed substantial change from, from a GM perspective, obviously, coaching perspective, and the next thing, the roster. And so it's logical... To do exactly th- those things, and if Adolfo Mensa can do one thing, he will be considered a genius here and brilliant, and that is find a long-term solution, preferably a draft pick at QB. So yeah I, I am I am completely on board with all of those points and I am also becoming more and more completely on board with not giving a damn about your record next year or season. Kyle?
1: So I kind of want to get back to what you were talking about earlier, Judd. And I think one thing that we need to realize is that we've been running it back for about 30 years. Like, <laughs> just look at the show. Dennis Green era. How many times did he have <laughs> the same right. starting quarterback in back-to-back years? He had Warren Moon, <laughs> technically Brad Johnson, even though Johnson got hurt in 98 in week two and then Cunningham took over. Cunningham lost out after six games to Jeff George and then Dante Culpepper. We've been consistently just trying to piece it together at the quarterback position and run it back with the roster we have. Well, where's that gotten us? It's gotten us three fluke championship game appearances, and then the next year, just kind of eh. Like, one thing that I've really started to realize is teams win divisions, stars win titles. Look at what happened in the divisional round. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow won that game. He didn't play great. But when he needed to make a big-boy throw, he made it, and he got them into field goal range. That whole team was confident because of Joe Burrow. They knew that whatever happened, Joe was going to be there, and he was going to be able to help take care of that. There's a swagger about the Bengals right now, and that's because of Burrow. And then just look at the Bills and the Chiefs. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes is a matchup we're going to see, like, Brady and Manning for the next decade, and it's going to be awesome to watch. But without either of those guys, that game's probably bad. Stars win titles, and I think that's what Minnesota really needs to start shooting for. We have one in Justin Jefferson. Get him a running mate. Get him a quarterback. We have Daniil Hunter on the edge who can be a dominant force. Piece together a defense, load up on offense, and let's go. So, all right, that's a good segue because you threw a
0: comparison out, which we're going to get to in just a second here in your your draft work leading up to uh, this next stretch here. But I think in order for us to properly speculate on the future of one of these young quarterbacks, we're going to need something to drink, Judd. We're going to need a sip of something here. You know, I brought just to, something just to loosen the nerves here. Just
2: <laughs> hold on a second. I brought it. I brought it. Uh, you're talking about Surly, and uh, you know, boys, I've got right right here a six pack Surly Furious, the best IPA around. Yeah, you know, when you want to talk draft, and of course, the most important thing on any Mackey and Judd uh, program is. Reckless speculation, well, there's only one thing to drink, and that is Surly Furious, IPA. So, boys, enjoy your beers, and let's start.
0: Uh, Also, hey, a shout-out to Federated when it comes to just maximizing the success of your business and uh, making sure that you are protected and shielded against potential risks. Federated is here to help you. If you are a business owner and you haven't checked out all the resources and people that Federated can offer to help your business, Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Check out My Shield, and uh, you can find a full list of industries Federated protects as well. Again, federatedinsurance.com. Remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, so. Football. Tyler has an article, Vikings Wire, entitled, Is Malik Willis the Next Josh Allen? And I'm going to zoom out, and you can you can go wherever you want with this, but let's say Adolfa Mensah decides... Okay, I like Kirk. He's fine. Certainly not going to ride out the $45 million cap hit because we just, you know, we just, then we'd have to, it just puts us in too much of a bind. So uh, our two choices are to extend him or trade him. And I'm not going to hitch the next three years of uh, my first shot at a GM gig to Kirk Cousins at age 34, 35, 36. We're going to trade Cousins for whatever, and he's gone. And they decide we're going to draft a quarterback in 2022. How many first-round caliber quarterbacks are there? Or how many quarterbacks do you truly like as potential starters? And why are you comparing Malik Willis to Josh Allen?
1: So when you talk about quarterbacks in this class, I kind of mentioned earlier, everybody's got a fatal flaw. And you have to determine if you can overcome that fatal flaw either by coaching it out or being able to scheme around it and really develop the tools that they have. There are only two guys I feel really confident about drafting in the first round. One of them is Malik Willis. And the other one is Carson Strong. And I know uh, we've talked about Carson Strong in the past, Phil. He has an absolute cannon. Uh, my favorite scouting term is piss missile. And that's something <laughs> I know has been, been used in baseball a lot. yes. But he's, he's, he's got an absolute yes. piss missile. And Strong is kind of like Dan Marino and Big Ben. He is not going to run but he is going to move silky smooth in the pocket and avoid pressure and create space for himself to be able to unload the football.
0: So he's not super mobile. Carson strong. You're talking about, but he's he's, not a runner No, but he's, he's pocket mobile. Is that fair to say?
1: Yep. Uh, NFL network does their like top tens and they did most mobile quarterbacks. Dan Marino was at seven because of that pocket mobility. And I think, that is just as important as being able to scramble and make plays outside of structure. Cause when you're moving inside the pocket, that's when quarterbacks are truly the most dangerous. Uh, and then the reason I compared Malik Willis to Josh Allen is because they have very similar upbringings. As far as the college level, both are really good runners. Both have piss missile arms. They can make on the run throws. That'll just make your jaw drop. There's one that Malik Willis threw last year against Virginia tech where he scrambles, runs out to the right, It throws it on the run, on a rope, 50 yards down the field with pinpoint accuracy. That's something you can teach. That's something that you want to try and develop. What they don't have, neither of these guys, they didn't have a good offensive line in front of them. They didn't have good weapons around them. They didn't have an offense that would help them grow and develop as a potential professional quarterback. Malik Willis, I don't believe, is necessarily going to reach the ceiling of Josh Allen. You can't expect any guy to truly reach that ceiling. But if you believe that you can take those traits and you can grow them and you can get some continuity as a coaching staff like the Bills had with Brian Dayball, I think you can unlock stuff with Malik Willis to a point where you can develop him into a great starting quarterback. And at your absolute worst, he's a phenomenal runner and he's got a great open field vision. You'll have a playmaker, a quarterback, while he learns how to play the position because Malik Willis can't sit in the pocket and just deliver like most quarterbacks. He bails all the time. The Hugh Freeze offense. If you've ever watched it, you've watched him, you've watched Ole Miss. You've watched what Sam Howell does in North Carolina. It's gross. As far as an NFL comparison, there's no reads. There's no progressions. It's all RPOs. It's all, Hey, what's the safety doing here? If he's here, I'm going to throw it here. It's all pre-snap stuff. So when everything gets bottled up because he has no NFL talent at receiver or on the offensive line, He's bailing the pocket after a second and a half because he's about to get destroyed. If you can groom him and develop him at the NFL level, you could be looking at a potential top five quarterback. But because of that, he also has a major bust factor. So I believe the NFL is starting to trend in. You have to find a guy with mega tools and try to develop him. The chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes had a lot of questions, especially coming out of that Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach air raid offense that they ran at Texas tech didn't have a lot of progressions didn't have great pocket presence, but man, the throws he could make were insane. Josh Allen is is very similar in that way. People developed those traits. And I think the next trend is going to be finding a guy who has those kind of traits and developing him. Will it work? I don't know, but the NFL has always been a reactionary non-progressive league when it comes to these trends. Once they see somebody be successful with it, they pile on, just like it would happen with Kyle Shanahan in the wide zone. How many teams are running wide zone now? we got like a dozen of them. There were like five back in 2016. Like, these things happen because somebody else is successful, and I think somebody's going to convince themselves that Mal- Malik Willis can be the next Josh Allen.
2: So it's a smart play to try and, and potentially think that and take a guy like that in the first round in 2022. Or do you look to the 2023 draft class of QBs and say it might make more sense to wait and address it in the first round? Which, by the way, c- could include yes, Rick Spielman, a trade up um, b- because that draft class <laughs> you might you actually move up. Yes, it, it's, but it's wouldn't legal. you rather have nine seventh round picks? I it's mean, legal. come on, it's legal to go up and get a quarterback that you like um, b- because there might be more um, more talent. Quarterback-wise, Tyler, in that draft?
1: Well, I'll say this. There is a lot more talent in the 2023 quarterback class. You can't guarantee that you're going to get a great talent in 2023. And that's, I think, the Miami Dolphins tanking for Tua really proves to be a cautionary tale because the idea was that they, they were going to tank, they were going to get Tua Valoa and they were going to be set with a franchise quarterback for a decade plus. Well, then Tua broke his hip, and then they still took Tua. And they missed out on Justin Herbert you can't guarantee that there's going to be a guy next year. Just look at 2011 when the Vikings picked Christian Ponder. He was the last guy available, and they panicked. Like, You can't just assume anything's going to happen. If you love a guy this year, you take him. If you don't love him, then take a guy in the second or third round, uh, a guy you maybe could develop into a new quarterback. I love Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, who I, I'm going to be watching in full here within the next week or so. I love him. Just calculated, throws darts from the pocket. Great within the structure, but if you don't love a guy, you can't force it. But you also can't assume you're going to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young next year.
0: Is, is is there any case? I think I know your answer because I think we we talk enough. But is there any case to be made for hanging on to Kirk Cousins? And because I think I think what people would say that you know the Cousins Crusaders that I, that I've coined them would say and i think there is a point to this he was stuck in probably the worst infrastructure that you could be stuck in for him right like he really needed that offensive minded partner as a head coach a better relationship i think that goes both ways i don't think kirk's the best relationship builder either but mike zimmer wasn't giving that to him you know he's a pocket passer that's not that mobile and the vikings have had really poor pass blocking offensive lines so there's There's a case to be made that if you give those things to Kirk, the Browns might have those things, right? Kevin Stefanski, who's already worked with Kirk. They have a better pass-blocking offensive line. But there's another level to his game. It's been four years. He's 34. I'm ready to move on. I don't want to pay a good quarterback, great quarterback money. But is there a case to be made that you should just fortify things around Kirk going forward?
1: There absolutely is a case to be made. And uh, I'll say this. I think you hit the nail on the head, Phil. He's not a great relationship builder. He had a bad relationship with Jay Gruden in Washington. He had a bad relationship with Mike Zimmer here at a certain point. Are we going to put the blame on Kirk for that? Obviously Mike Zimmer had his faults, but Jay Gruden hated him. Kyle Shanahan liked him and he wanted to bring him in because he's the perfect type of quarterback for what Kyle Shanahan wants. Outside of that, who's loved Kirk? And I think some of that has to do with it's Kirk's fault. Uh, Obviously we're not in the building. We don't talk to these guys every day, but I I see that the argument and I think it's a valid one. I just don't think it's a good enough one for us to be able to commit to him more moving forward and be like, oh, if we fix this, oh, if we fix that. Haven't we been trying to do that for four years? Yeah. That's At a certain the thing point, like, you just have to admit it's not working and move on.
0: That's the other thing too. Like 2018, 19, this this was a 13 and three team with a really good defense. And like and that was kind of the window. And they still couldn't get it done beyond one playoff win in those two years, Judd.
2: I also don't think that that when when Kirk sits down, perhaps today, who, who knows, with Adolfa Mensa to talk. I don't think if if the Adolfa Mensa that we saw today is is him. And for now, I'm going to say it absolutely is. I don't think Kirk's act is going to work there. Kirk is very rehearsed. Kirk is very as I. Called him for a long time. He's the corporate quarterback. He says what he thinks a quarterback should say, and Adolfo Metz is probably a smart enough guy to read BS. And there's a lot of BS there. And this goes back to again the unquantifiable, which is I contend Kirk is not a winning player. He's a statistical player. His stats are good, but I there's nothing I've ever seen from Kirk where I say he can lead. And that he has the intangibles, and Joe Burrow is example. I mean, he is the shining example of Mister Intangibles. Second year guy who clearly uh, players will follow. The man was sacked nine times. He won, and it didn't fluster him. Okay, he
0: instills this belief. And I know that like there's a lot of people, especially on the analytics side, and by the way, that's where I come from too, that are going to say, "Yeah, you think he just like sprinkles magic dust over the organization?" Well, I mean. He brings a level of confidence and belief to the entire roster, including defensive players, by the way, where they just believe and buy in like they haven't in probably 30 years in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And you can laugh at that if you want at your own peril. There's a reason why over 100-plus starts, Kirk Cousins' teams are always just middling, and they're always grinding to get to nine wins. It's not that it's always his fault,
2: but he's not enough of a solution and a leader to change the path of an organization. And guys, I I think too, that, that when decisions are made on the players, the group of players, Tyler, that you talked about, I think ultimately trading Smith will be tough because I think he is a winning player, but I, I think the logic says trade him. Kendricks. I think, I don't know that I consider him to be to be a shining example but I mean he's a smart guy and I think he brings intangibles. I think Kirk is actually the easiest one not to not to have a problem with statistically but I think he's the easiest guy to read and say we're never going to get where we want to go with him playing quarterback no matter what his box score looks like. I really think that he's the easiest one. So, you yeah. know, yeah, Tyler. I agree there.
0: Tyler, real quick here before we get to random Viking of the Week. So I'm Malik Willis, so you're you're definitely bullish on his upside. There's a there's a bust factor, but if you if you if you can iron things out, there's a huge upside there. Once the combine is done, I feel like he's gonna there's certain guys and and he's one of them that are just gonna look amazing at the combine. And when some of the measurables come out right. So right now you might say, oh, he's kind of, you know, maybe he's like 15th or 12th or whatever. But once the combine process plays out and the desperate quarterback hungry teams, you know, the, you know, start to you know, catch wind of what other teams are going to do, where do you think he goes? And if you're the Vikings at 12 and maybe you can move up as high as five or six, if you're willing to, are you recommending that they take a quarterback in this year's draft in the first round?
1: If it's Willis or Carson Strong, I would recommend taking him. Uh, Willis, you have to be able to – you have to feel comfortable that you're going to be able to eliminate that bus factor and really develop those tools like Josh Allen has been able to develop his. Um, and then Strong, it's all about the knee. If the knee looks good, I'm all in. Um, I, I've had a couple buddies make me jersey swaps because I absolutely love the idea of Carson Strong and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think if you're going to take a guy, you take him at twelve. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to be going higher than that. I know a lot of analysts have predicted Kenny Pickett from Pitt. I don't think Kenny Pickett brings you any kind of real upside. Uh, I think he's kind of like Kirk. He's a little better outside of structure. He doesn't have great arm strength. His accuracy is fine. But there's nothing about him that screams, I'm an alpha. I'm going to win you playoff games by myself where the other two, I really think have the ability to do so down the line, which is why I would want to take the shot there. Um, you could talk about Desmond Ritter, who I, who he's been playing quarterback for like four years for Cincinnati and he's still wildly inaccurate. Matt Corral is a big dart throw because he runs the lane Kiff and RPO offense and how much of that's going to be able to translate. He's going to need to learn progressions at the next level because everything he does is a half field. Um, if you're going to take a guy and you believe in him, you just take him at 12. Um, I don't think you're going to have to really trade up for him, but I'll tell you, Willis and Strong, when I'm in Mobile next week, they are going to pop on how well and how strong those arms are. And that's going to be the beginning of their rise of, of draft boards. Wow. I love it. I, I, I want a mock. Yes. Mock. <laughs> that's
0: football, too. You got yes, football man. and and mock. I'll hit you with both football. here. There we go
3: our guy, Tyler Fornus, NBC Sports Edge. Piss cannon, piss-, piss-, oh, missile. Missile. piss missile, missile, yeah, piss missile. It's a good yeah. baseball I, term. He's read it. You can use it in, in a lot of different ways, but good arm good or just hitting a bomb—that was a piss missile.
2: Oh, you, you got the missile? eyeball. How do I not know this?
3: I don't know. You've
0: never heard it as a baseball term? It's definitely a baseball. I don't remember yeah, hearing
2: a, it. Yeah. That's a great time baseball,
0: Scott. Thank you, yeah. Tyler. I love that term. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get to. Let's get to the random Viking of the week here, all right? This is, and here's how this is going to work. Judd's Judd's been dominating for the most part. Judd is up 15 to 7 so far in our random Viking of the week. And so Declan and Tyler are going to team up together against Judd. Dex, you're going to get some help here.
3: Okay. We're
0: going to phone a friend here. Yeah. So here's how this works. And by the way, the last uh, handful of random Vikings of the week, Toby Gerhardt, Mitch Berger, Naufahu Tahi, Captain Munnerlin, and Daryl Bevel. So here's how this works, Tyler. You and Declan are going to be on the same team against Judd. I'm going to throw out a series of clues one by one. Each team gets three incorrect guesses, and then you're eliminated. We've never had that happen yet. So whenever you think you know it, even if it's after the first clue, throw a guess out. You get up to three wrong guesses. I'm going to say three wrong guesses combined for you two. So you might I have hope to- so. You might have to collaborate. Six this six six,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Alan Page, Carl Eller. Hey, you can ask me questions. I can decide if I want to answer them. All,
3: right, All right. right, bring it on. Let's do this. Okay,
0: here we go. And by the way, the Random Viking of the Week is presented by our friends at Livia, where Judd's not only dominating this game, yep. he's dominating weight loss.
2: Yes, that's exactly right, Phil Mackey. my friends. At Livia Weight Control Centers, you know what, what the good thing is, gentlemen? The good thing is there's nothing random about... The fact that i've dropped 30 plus pounds in fact there is a reason why and I, I want you to join me now with the i did an eight week challenge where you get your first eight weeks for free that's right i dropped 26 pounds so we're talking about for free taking off let's say 26 pounds by uh, by march it'll feel fantastic call today 855 go l-i-v-e-a livia.com 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Again, there's nothing random about the fact that I've dropped weight. Livia.com is waiting for you as well. All right. All right. This random
0: Viking of the week hails from Atlanta, Georgia, originally. This random Viking of the week played college football in the Sunbelt
3: Conference. All right, Tyler. You, you're the college football expert here, so these, these these this will help me out a little bit. I know jack bleep about college football, so this this
2: this. I is love how you're putting about. the pressure on him. Two clues, no, index. No, I'm not. Putting you've the pressure already on you've him. already basically just bowed they out of the ab- game. you like, I, the like, advantage. I have no clue. Yeah, I got no clue. <laughs> I got no clue, Tyler. It's all on you.
0: No googling. No googling. He's not going to go.
2: All right. Stand up, guy, Tyler. He is him.
0: a stand up guy. All right. This random Viking of the week. In high school, he was named an Atlanta Journal Constitution first-team All-State pick at quarterback.
1: I think I know this. Oh my god! Is oh. it Jarek McKinnon? Yes, oh my it god. is.
3: Let's oh
2: go! <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. So impressive. <laughs>
1: So yeah. impressive.
2: I thought I had
1: it after clue two, but clue three sealed the deal. <laughs> oh God, that was
2: great. That was great. Dex uh, is oh gone. Man, it's hilarious. Dex is gone. No more Dex. Oh, that uh, that's that hilarious. Is, that is awesome. Alright, so,
0: so Tyler is, is just going to be the weekly tag team partner for Declan here. <laughs> <Random> <laughs> Declan Buddy abdicated <laughs>
2: it, and then he and then Tyler got it right away. That was oh, that's a, hilarious. Super impressive.
0: Alright, what a victory.
2: Je- Jex, wow, look at you guys. Now playing great for the Chiefs. Good for him. Well just
0: Clue number 10 was going to be his favorite form of transportation is via jet. But we didn't have to get to clue <laughs> oh, 10. You know
2: what? I'm almost glad. I love you. Hey, glad Thank so. you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler.
0: That's Through
2: awesome. Arguably the the worst pass I've ever seen in Vikings history too <laughs> his one wildcat attempt at uh at a game here was just yeah, was so bad
0: and there was so much anticipation oh, it was, was like oh he was a quarterback I at Georgia southern. About he's I mean, gonna,
2: like, he's a quarterback you got to run wildcat yeah, and...
1: but georgia southern beat the florida gators in the swamp without throwing a pass they ran the triple option this. yeah being, being a quarterback at georgia southern doesn't really mean a whole lot
0: yeah, yeah he was uh, jarek mckinnon thought. was actually like his three main scholarship offers coming out of high school were georgia southern Navy and Air Force, so yep. you know, quarterback. You want throw the
2: airports. ball? <laughs> so, no, dude, you'll never have to throw the ball. Don't worry.
0: Yeah. All right, that is uh, that's Tyler Fornest. You can find his work NBC Bravo. Sports Edge. He is a draft guru and a friend of the show. Also part of the Climbing the Pocket Network uh, Vikings Wire, and we're gonna we're gonna mix you in throughout draft season here. You're gonna be down at the Senior Bowl. That's next week already.
1: That's next week. I fly out Monday morning. Hell yeah! Love
0: it. So, follow his work, follow him on twitter, and uh we appreciate you coming on, my friend and then we'll talk we'll we'll talk some like uh some independent wrestling at some point too on the show with Tom. yeah, hell yeah, that's really oh, his main passion
1: that that would be a lot of fun g c w just had their show, which was an absolute cluster, but it's g c w you can't expect anything more
0: that's what we need to get Judd into uh some g c w death matches going forward I know about show, that. show
1: him some Nick gage, baby, yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, all right, that's Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment and Speculation and Therapy. It's a new era of Vikings football.